you know, you, you can't give up. You can't give up. Who, know, who knows what tomorrow holds? You know, it's it's life. It's life. Yes, we've got this current pandemic at the moment. The best thing you can do is make sure you look after yourself and those around you. Mm. But don't stop. Don't stop. You know, the, the industry has been heavily impacted at the moment. But, uh, you know, there's so much to do out there in the background. Building relationships like we are doing. You need to continue talking to people, making the right noises. You know, when things open up, you know, the, the will that makes the most noise, the one that gets the first attention. That was Brighton Mulasuela, and this is the Travelling Optimist podcast with Steve Odie. Hello and welcome to the Travelling Optimist podcast, the home of optimism, insight and uplifting stories. How are you guys doing? Uh, I hope you're doing well. Don't, for, don't forget to uh, stay focused and keep up the optim- up, keep up the optimism levels. Uh, today we're talking t- with Zimbabwean Brighton Tao Mulusuela. He's a founder and CEO of Bush Life African Safaris. As born and raised in Zimbabwe, he's fanatical about conservation, and it goes without saying he's passionate about Africa. On top of that, he works with the NHS here in the UK, and he's committed to helping vulnerable people with mental health issues. Now, as anybody knows me. Africa has played an integral part in my life, and I'm thrilled to be able to have a chat with Brighton. Uh, We'll take you on a journey to Africa so that when all this COVID stuff is done, uh, you'll be inspired to travel to one of Mother Nature's most incredible continents. So, welcome, Brighton. How are you, my friend? I'm very well, Steve, and uh, my pleasure meeting you, and thank you very much for that uh, wonderful welcome. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's absolutely brilliant. I'm so, so pleased that you've, uh, you've uh, managed to take time to come on the Travelling Optimist podcast. How many times do you normally get to go down to Africa when you're, when you're working? Well, you know, I'm looking at about uh, three, four times in a year, oh. you know, and uh, that's excluding the, the times I visit, you know, the family and yes. uh, get to see friends. But otherwise, on the business level, uh, we are at uh, about three, four groups uh, in a year. You know, it's always wonderful being out there. Yeah. Uh, enjoying the serenity, the nature, you know, and uh, not forgetting the, the, the wonderful people of Africa. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, we enjoy those communities. And mm. uh, maybe this, this is why we also came up with... Uh, my company, Bush Life Africa Safari, yes. to, you know, just to try and work with those communities, give back to the communities, create employment, you know, as well as many other things. Yes. So you've still got family down there? I still have family down there, even though some are scattered all over the globe. Yeah. But uh, I still have quite some few relationships still left on the ground. Excellent. I mean, the first time I went to Zimbabwe was way back in 1995. And um, I had the most amazing time. It's such a beautiful, beautiful country. Um, and hopefully later on in the show, we'll, uh, we'll get to talk a little bit about how, about how beautiful it really is. So what brought you to the UK then? Um, it's actually a mixed bag of things, to be quite honest. Firstly, it was uh, mainly to do with uh, the economy. Mm. Uh, and uh, obviously the, the, the politics as well, which, you know, gets to affect the economy as a whole. Mm. And, um, you know, just also trying to look for, you know, a better life 
for my children. And uh, it was a bold decision, even my background in Zimbabwe, to come over in another country and maybe start from, you know, ground zero. Yeah. Well, that's an amazing uh, thing to do. And, and I guess life was slightly different uh, when, you know, in Zimbabwe, when you left. When you grew up in Zimbabwe, though, what was it like? Growing up in Zimbabwe, well, I can speak for my family mainly. Uh, you know, I grew up a middle class life. You know, we always used to have, you know, food on the table. Mm. Uh, my parents were able to provide that as well as quality education. Mm. You know, and, um, you know, we were quite a stable family in terms of living standards. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and when I look back, you know, I look at them as moments to cherish, you know, the way, just the way I grew up. Yes. I would say life later changed, you know, as, you know, finished high school, went to college. You know, and um, in 1991, yeah. uh, as a teenager, as a teenager, I think I was about 19 then, my father made a decision, you know, to send me over here to the UK, you right. know, to see if I could go to university in the UK. And uh, I came over here at 19, very young. And uh, I did not have any relatives in the country whatsoever. But uh, my father had a lot of conduct, you know, he was, you know, in terms of public relations and talking to people, you know, yeah. I give it to him. He's, he's a man who is very good at that, yeah. you know, and he had quite a lot of conducts, you know, from within the region in, Afri in Africa, as well as outside Africa. Mm. So, so you, came over, you came over for university then? Yes, even though I did not go to university. Uh, I just finished off at college. I pursued my college diploma right. in, um, you know, business management. And uh, in 1994, my father, who was still in Zimbabwe, and bear in mind, my father sent me to England, and he had never been to the UK himself. Right. You know, so it was also a bold decision on him to say, look, you go. And I was happy to go then, to come over. And uh, when I came over, after, in 1994, my father asked me to come back. This is after his young, his young brother, who he had uh, started a business with in, in a printing business, uh, had uh, passed on. Yeah. So, you know, he, he was his only brother and they'd uh, started this business together. So my father then, you know, got in touch with me and said, look, at the moment, I'm struggling a bit with the business, you know, and um, I'd like you to come back. Mm. You know, I need I need some help. And, you know, having stayed in England where, to be quite honest, for, for nearly five years, you know, in the cold, you know, and a different lifestyle completely compared to the one that I had um, in Zimbabwe. Yeah. And in actual fact, in the first six months of me being here, I kept on complaining to this gentleman I was living with that, you know what, I want to come back. You know, I want, I, want, I want to go back to Zimbabwe. You know, I just want to call, go back after my six-month visa, you know. And he kept on saying to me, you know what, be a man. You know, this is life. You have to face it. You have to face it. And uh, from then on, I went on to live here for nearly five years after yeah. that. Uh, then I went back to Zimbabwe to join the family business, uh, the printing business. And um, 
it was doing very well uh, at that minute, even though my, you know, the business had very small uh, equipment, printing equipment. You know, I then made a proposal to my father that, you know what, we need to upgrade our equipment if we are going to be re to remain in business because the, the, the equipment that we have at the moment is a bit outdated. Yeah. And um, my father, you know, being the man he was, he never used to like, you know, to go approach banks and apply for loans. You know, he just wanted to be self-sustainable in whatever he wanted to do, you know, without committing himself to all those commitments. So, you know, he then gave it to me and said, look, I'll let you do what you think is right. If you're thinking of, you know, sourcing funding from financial institutions mm. to upgrade the equipment, then, you know, go for it. You've got my blessing. Mm. I'm putting you in charge now. You take over. I'll be there supporting you behind the scenes. So, yeah, I managed to do that. I acquired um, a grant from uh, a World Bank grant from one of the local institutions. And uh, we imported uh, our machines from Germany. Okay. And, you know, production was booming then. Yeah. You know, we actually had a three a shift pattern, you know, 62, 2 to 10. You know, at that time, you know, business was good. Yeah. And um, because I'll give you a little bit of background of my father. He came from, um, he was the son of a farm worker, farm laborer in an area called uh, Mwenezi, around the Gonarejo area, the Gonarejo National Park. Mm. That's where my father grew up. So, and my grandfather you know, used to work for um, a white settler family, yeah. and uh, they were into hunting. So this is the kind of environment my father grew up in. And, uh, you know, it, it became a passion of his as he grew up as well. You know, and uh, he found himself uh, coming to the city, living in the city. And um, that's when he started his business. Yeah. So as we were running the printing business, he then decided, no, I think, you know, because he kept on doing a lot of safari bookings, holidays for his friends, mainly in South Africa, you know, coming over to Zimbabwe. And we all used to go as families, you know, and enjoy the bush. Yeah. You know, and after a while, he then, we then decided, you know what, we need to diversify in our business and decided to go into tourism then. Mm. That's, that's when I started the safari company in Zimbabwe with, okay. uh, with my dad. Yeah. And how was it working with your dad? It was working very well because we now, you know, from a man who started off as a, the son of a farm laborer to owning his own business, you know, you could only, you know, admire such a man. and. Yes. Uh, you know, I've always say to people, you know, that man makes me who I am. Mm. You know, you know, without him, I wouldn't be here. I would probably not be speaking to Steve today. Who knows? <laughs> you know. So, um, what did you learn from your father? What, what you know, what what sort of things did you kind of take away? He was a very principled man. Um, he was a man who would like to get things done. When he puts his mind on something, mm. you'd make sure that. You know, you complete the rest. Yeah. He was never a man who would, you know, do something, leave it halfway, start something else. You'd always want to see it through. Yes. Um, very principled in the sense that, you know, when he says he promises something, you'll make sure he delivers. And yeah. if he doesn't deliver, if he thinks he's not going to be able to deliver, you'll make sure you will notify whoever that person is, yeah. you know. So, you know, those are some of the tries that I learned from my father. And um, 
I see myself in him uh, today. Mm. Yeah, that's really lovely. You do learn so much. I think your dad and my dad would have got on really well, actually. They sound quite really? similar. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, hardworking, really good, you know, as that sounds, I was about to say really good ethics, but actually yeah. it was very, very, integrity was, was a big, big thing for him. You know, part of like his life. Your father, yeah. I and, mean, there's, um, always, there's always so much to learn from such people, whether it's your father, a friend, you mm. know, there's always so much to learn from such people. And, you know, the only best thing you can do is to try and emulate those good ethics and, you know, improve on them if you can. Yeah, absolutely. Is, it, is there a, a big sort of tribal system in, in Zimbabwe? Uh, it, it, it's not so big. We, we've got the, you know, the main tribes, which is the, the Shonas and the Debeles, obviously. We have the Kalangas and other tribes, but uh, it's not as huge as compared to other bigger African nations like, mm. say, for example, Nigeria or South Africa. Yeah. And so, so you set up your, your tourism business with your dad, which is great. So that was all going really well. Were you sort of bringing clients in from all over the world? How's, how's, how's that working? At that time, Steve, because we we entered the industry as a new player, uh, where, you know, during our entry point, we were mainly being, you know, subcontracted with other bigger operators, you know, that uh, were well established. Yes. So it was um, not direct business from outside the country at that point yeah. until we kind of developed those clients that were being subcontracted to us, you know, began to enjoy our services. And when they went back, whether it was America, UK, you'd find some of them contacting us directly to say, look, after my experience with you, I've got a friend, I've got a family member who also wants to enjoy that same experience. So can, mm. And they would then end up booking directly with us. So they, uh, so yeah, so they were booking direct with you, and then you were taking them out on safari, uh, you know, in 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 the vehicles. And, and did you sort of book all of their accommodation? You did the whole thing, did you? We did the whole thing from the accommodation, and we also had our own vehicles, our game drive vehicles, and uh, transfer vehicles, you know, airport yeah. transfer vehicles as well. So yeah, I mean, that's a massive investment, isn't it, for for a uh, for a family to to make. It is indeed, you know, at that time, you know, it took, you know, blood and sweat to have it take yeah. off the ground. I remember my father at that time for the business to take off ground, he had to remortgage his house. Right. That's how committed the man can be. You yeah. know, he had to remortgage his house and that investment is what he used. You know, we used to start off this business. And, uh, so would you, he took a bit, of, he took a big risk, didn't he? It was a massive risk because... Yeah. You could have lost his house had the business not done well. Mm. But I think that sort of focuses you, doesn't it? You know, if uh, particularly if you're a you know a young a young man who's just come back in into the into the family business, you know, you want to do your do right and do well. Um, and then your dad's made that big decision to invest in the in in the business. There must have been some pressure on you as well, I would imagine. Absolutely, a lot of pressure, and uh, that pressure also comes with the fact that I'm the eldest child in the family. Right. <laughs> so you can imagine the pressure, but uh, yeah. you know, I'm glad that at that time, you know, I did well. I did prove myself from mm. the printing business all the way to the safari business. Obviously, with the help of my father and uh, some of my siblings that became part of that business as well. 
Oh, great. Excellent. So it really was a, a, a big uh, opportunity for the whole family. It was. It was a big opportunity. So politically, things turned a little bit negative, didn't didn't it, in, in Zim in the 90s or a, a little bit later than that? What, what, what happened during that time for uh, you guys? During that time, I think it was late mid-1999 to late 99. You know, that's when the political disturbances started, um, mm. the land issue. And um, at that time, it, uh, most businesses uh, were quite heavily impacted mm. by the political situation, which also took a bite on the, on the economy itself. Yeah. And um, obviously, as you know, when these things happen, you'll find you know, industry sectors like agriculture and um, the tourism industry were yeah. made because it was all to do with land. Those were the first two, you know, to be heavily affected. Yes. And um, we, 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 we tried to soldier on as, as a family, as a business, uh, you know, because, you know, this is something that we had uh, started out of passion. And um, we tried to soldier on to an extent that it came to a point whereby the, the, the printing business was now financing the safari business at that time. Mm. Uh, we tried doing it for, you know, I think well over two years, uh, three years, and uh, we realized, you know what, it's not working. No, you know, no. We, we've got we, we've got to face reality here, and we then decided to close shop sold that business, focused on the printing business. Yes. But then again, it wasn't long before the printing business was also affected. Mm. Our main focus in that business is with a lot of NGOs as, as our big client. Okay, so what's an so NGO? We the non-governmental organization with some, okay. of our big, with some of our big clients. And mm. the farmers as, and, and the farmers as well. Yeah. So, you know, that effect, you know, we, we felt it coming up to the printing business again. Yeah. You know, it was, you know, it wasn't long uh, until we also then decided that I think that was uh, 2005, six. Yeah. Uh, we decided again to close shop and sell the business, uh, which was quite painful because especially on the printing side, this is, this is the business that has raised all of us as a family. This is the business that took us to school, that took us to good school. So there was that kind of attachment to the business, yeah. you know, and, um, but again, we were left with not feel? Oh, Steve, it's, 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 it's heartbreaking, especially if, it, if it's not beyond your control. If it was something that I could, could control, I would say, look, I failed. But uh, what I would simply say is the system itself failed me. And mm. not only me, but a lot of many other businesses. It, yeah. It, it, yeah. it was like uh, the COVID of that time. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was the COVID of that time. It, it, it just destroyed businesses. It destroyed families. Well-to-do families. What did you do to kind of uh, get yourself over this this setback? You know, you just at times you have you have to remain positive. You you need to have that mental strength. You know, to to just keep going and focus on what's in front of you and how best you can work around it. You know, because I'd been to the UK before, you know, it was easy for me to, to make that decision to come back, even though I knew the challenges that I was going to be faced with. But mm. it was like, you know what, I'm, I'm prepared to face that at the minute and go through what I'm actually going through now, because sooner or later, I won't be able to put food on the table. I won't be able to feed these kids. 
because at that, at that time as well, I was a family man. You know, it, it took a lot of mental strength, resilience, just to keep going. And, and also the, the family support as well, you know. Mm. And I found myself at one point, you know, surviving through my, my late sister, who was also in the uh, industry. It worked, she, she worked for another uh, safari company in Manapu's uh, Kariba area, Matusadona, where she worked. And she was also doing very well. So it got to a point whereby... You know, she was literally just looking after me, mm. you know, and uh, if you look at yourself as a man, you're thinking, for how long am I going to have somebody look after me? I need to make a move. Yeah. And th that's when I found myself back to the UK in 2007. So the cold and the wet didn't put you off? <laughs> not, not at all. You know, you know Steve, uh, I'd rather, uh, rather endure the cold and the wet on a full stomach than just enjoy the sun on an empty stomach. That's how my father always used to put it. Choose what you want, my son. Do you want the heat on an empty stomach or the cold on a full belly? The choice is yours, <laughs> you know. So these are some of the hard decisions that we had to make as a family, not only as a family, but as Zimbabweans in general. It was never easy. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I get that. I've got a few friends in Zim, and um, you know, even now it's it's um, very hard, you know, uh, down there. But it sounds like the life skills that you picked up throughout that time have stood you in good stead for your time here in the UK. And I mentioned at the at the start of the, at the show that you you're, you're working in mental health, and um, so I wondered what what do you do what do you do in that that arena? If you don't mind, I'll take you back a little bit. You know, came over to the UK in 2007. I did, I mean, this is a, against the kind of lifestyle that I was so used to living in Zimbabwe, where I was an employer with uh, a team of about 25 people in both businesses. Uh, I'm there, I'm making decisions. I make the decisions. You know, uh, I'm running the operations. Mm. And I come over here, I had to start from, you know, ground zero. Did all sorts of jobs uh, that I did. You know, I worked in the warehouses. I've done cleaning jobs. You know, because it was as good coming back to a new territory. This was, bear in mind, this was ten years later. Yeah. You know, things had changed. So starting from zero, I've mainly worked in the healthcare sector ever since. And uh, I've, until I decided, you know, let me settle for mental health. So. In mental health, we are working with um, you know people with, with all sorts of conditions, from bipolar, uh, personality disorders, paranoid mm. schizophrenia, you know, and uh, it just makes me feel good, you know, just to help other people, uh, mm. see them do well, get discharged from the hospital, go back into the community, and you know, you meet them sometimes in the town center, and you know, they're like coming to you and thanking you, you know, mm. it's, it's, it's a rewarding job, you know, yeah. despite the challenges it comes with, you know, because anything can happen, you know, mm. while, you know while you're at work. And uh, we've had some serious incidences whereby, you know, staff are always taken to hospital after either being punched, kicked, stabbed, or, you know, by, <laughs> by a patient. Yeah. So, yeah. but, you know, that doesn't take away the satisfaction that I get from the job. Yes. I would imagine job satisfaction is very high. 
it is. Yeah. How do you cope with the, you know, your uh, in terms of mindset? How do you sort of get uh, get yourself set and ready after having, you know, if you have one of those bad experiences? What what do you what do you do to kind of shift your state to something more positive? Firstly, I, talk, I, I take it as part of the job, and uh, secondly, uh, I have to tell myself that you know this person is not well. You know, strangely, mm. you find some of them get better. And they come back to you and apologize for whatever they did. This is after their their family starts telling them, narrating to them what they were like during their illness. Mm-hmm. And they, some of them come back to you in tears, you know, apologizing, you know. And um, you then realize, you know, these these people are not well, and yeah. this is the reason why I'm here to look after them, yeah. you know. And yeah. um, that that keeps me going, you know. And just trying to give them because you find some of them are almost giving up on life or in life. Yeah. And just trying to boost their confidence, you yeah. know, where they, you know, they come to you and confide in you. As staff members on that particular unit, you're probably the only people that they have to speak to, nobody else, you know. So yeah. just giving them their time, they come sometimes, you know, can I have a one to one with you? You know, just, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I had um, uh, one chap, you know, who his, fa- his father was diagnosed with um, lung cancer and he was just slow. You know, and such a person will call you and say, look, can I have a one-to-one? It, it, at times you run out of work. But yes. <laughs> you have to just comfort this person and give them assurance that, you know what, focus ahead, you know. It's times there's no need to cry over spilled beans. You know, it, it has happened. You know, let's focus on now. Because if you keep dwelling on the past, you're never going to be able to solve the present. Mm. You know, yeah. so we, we are there for that support. And uh, we've got an amazing team. You know, I enjoy working there. We, we are all brothers and sisters. We look after each other's back. And uh, it, it's just enjoyable. You know, it's... I enjoy being there when I'm there, you know, when I'm not doing my business on the side, running my business on the side. I just to take some part, part-time work where yeah. I go there and help. And it's just fulfilling. Oh, I can imagine. It's, I mean, what truly inspirational, you know, and, and thank you for, you know, the work that you do and your colleagues. Incredible work. It's amazing. So oh, thank you so much. Wait, obviously, you know, the thing is when, when, I speak to people that are in travel or not, sorry, not in travel. They don't really understand that once you've been in travel, it's in your blood. It's kind of something that never leaves you. Um, you'll always be, have some affiliation to it. So obviously with Suela Safaris, um, you left that behind in Zimbabwe uh, a few years before you came to the UK, but I think that travel bug was still in you, wasn't it? So you set up Bush Life African Safaris, right? Yes. Uh, that travel bug never went away. You know, <laughs> You know, it's it's something that I fully enjoyed during that yeah. period. It's something that, in fact, it's something my whole family enjoys. You know, I remember when we started the business in Victoria because we're mainly based in Victoria Falls and Wange, and yeah. we used to do other regional tours in Botswana and Zambia. And uh, my brother, my young brother, used to was based in the printing business in Harare. So it came a time we said to him, you know what, just go to Vic Falls for for two months, you know, just for that experience of the business, you have a feel of the business, and then come back after two months. He didn't want to come back, 
<laughs> and uh, he stayed there without coming back to Harare, I'd say, for a good four and a half years. You, you know, you only came back to Harare when you was flying to the UK. So did he, he got the travel bug then, did he? Uh, he, he he's got that. He's got yeah. that in him. And, yeah. you know, it, it extends even to my, some of my cousin brothers as well because they ended up being involved in the business. And you walk into their phone, houses you are likely to find a portrait of a lion somewhere which means you know it's still in there somewhere (laughs) absolutely do you sort of specialize in any type of safari uh is it sort of photographic or 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 it's it's uh wide-ranging it's 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 wide-ranging um we do photographic uh honeymoon safaris as well yeah um and uh, weddings so it's quite a wide range of um, activities that we do conduct yeah i know you don't need to sell a safari to me because i think a safari in africa is probably the best trip that anybody could take but for uh, my listeners that haven't had the fortune to go to africa and go on safari yet what would you say to them in terms of sort of describing what it's like going on safari and and, you know landing in in zimbabwe and going out to to the parks and seeing all the wildlife and everything how would you describe that it's life-changing it is life-changing i agree especially for a person who has never been on one before even those who have been sometimes you know you hear them say look ever since I, I went for, uh, for my, on my first safari three, four years ago. We can't stop talking about it in the family. Mm. It is something they continuous, continuously talk about within, within the family. So it's a, it's a life-changing experience. You know, it's, it's nothing beats being closer to nature. Mm. It's, it's just amazing. It's, it's, it's a wonderful feeling. Uh, there's so much to learn from nature itself. Yeah. There's so much to learn from the wildlife. You know, if families in elephant, you know, how they look after each other. And, you know, sometimes you're thinking, if only us as human beings can live like this, this world will be a better place, okay. you know. So this, this is what you get out of a safari, mm. you know. And it, um, You can't be sort of waking up in the morning in, in your tent, can you? And to the sound of the African bird song and the... The African bed songs, even the bullfrogs themselves, you know, uh, early hours of the morning, early, mm. late hours of the evening, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's just amazing. And bear in mind, you know, you, you have been on a safari you, yeah. and um, you'd find as good as be, being on a safari is as good as being at work, but it's some kind of an enjoyable work. <laughs> because you're, you're waking up at six o'clock to go for your first early morning game drive, wake up at five, get ready, go for a cup of coffee, you know, jump on the uh, vehicle at six o'clock yeah. and off you are in the game park, yeah. you know, yeah. probably have your lunch somewhere underneath. Uh, well, underneath hold on, skip the- back, skip back, because don't forget you're going in the vehicle and it's sometimes quite dark, isn't it? So you're watching the sun come up as well sometimes. Oh, yes, yes. Stunning, you can- stunning. Stunning sunrise. Oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. You, you know, and just the warmth, the smell of, of the bush itself, oh. the smell of the elephant dung, which you incredible. see everywhere. Incredible. You know, it, it is just incredible. 
you and know, the, and um, the mist, the, the 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 mist from the breath of the animals when you, you know, boy. in that first first light, uh, incredible, and it's uh, the, sometimes quite misty on the on the uh, on the savannas or in the park, and oh, oh, yeah. just see the the shadows of some wildlife and the the anticipation of what's next. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, there is always that anticipation that you know you're busy looking out to see. <laughs> Am I going to be the first one to pick up a leopard to see a leopard? Am I going to be the first one to see a lion? Yeah. And, you know, the, if you are the first to see, to, to pick up a wild animal somewhere, yeah. you know, to live with you forever, oh. you know. And incredible. Uh, it is incredible. It's, 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 it's an amazing experience. And, uh, you know, it's something that I would want everybody to experience. You know, it, it doesn't come cheap. And uh, maybe this is why it's called uh, life-changing experience. Because you know, if it was that cheap, then it would be, it wouldn't be life-changing. Absolutely, you know? but it's uh, worth but it. It's worth every penny. It's worth every penny. Mm. You know, I, it, I agree. You you you'll never regret that. And to prove to you that it's worth every penny is you'll probably do want to do it again. Well, yeah, that's it exactly. Yeah, most people go once and then they they. It's in. It's they've got the bug. They want to go back and uh, and try another country. So you know they'll go to Zimbabwe or they'll go then to Zim- uh, Zambia or Botswana or Kenya or Tanzania yeah. or Uganda yeah. and yeah, yeah. Every everything is yeah. every one of those countries is so different, but um and uh, and really beautiful. I mean, you, what, uh, so what are your what best experiences then on safari? What 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 some of the sort of most exhilarating or funniest uh, experiences that you've had? One of the experiences that I had that shook me a little bit, you know, was um, way back when we were still running our Kuala safaris in uh, Zimbabwe. Uh, I went on a game drive, just the three of us, myself, uh, my cousin brother, who was also based in Victoria Falls, working within our business, and my wife. We just decided to go on a game drive, you know, just the three of us across from one end of Wange to the other. And uh, in the middle of the bush, there was, you know, an elephant, you know, suddenly came as we're driving towards, stood in the middle of the, um, of the road and, uh, you know, sort of like flapping its ears, you know, wanting to charge at us. And, you know, because my, my brother had spent most of his time in that region and he was like, you know, just calm down, calm down, don't move. And in my mind, I'm thinking, come on, j- just put this car back in reverse, but why should we have to wait? <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, it was quite terrifying at that moment. You know, when you see it happen at times for the first time, you think, this is it, this is the end of us. Yeah. But, um, you know, with uh, experience, you get to learn how to manage such situations. And once you are used to those situations, you don't really panic and you can actually, you know, assure your, your, your guest that, look, this will come to pass as long as we remain calm. Yeah. So, of, of course, it did pass and we proceeded with our uh, drive. And my best experience was when we spent the night on a platform um, in Wanga National Park on a, on a water wall. We camped on a platform. And overnight, the sounds of animals coming to that water wall, you know, you, you, you just can't describe it. You know, it, it, it's like you're living a dream. <laughs> So you 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 were you were sleeping on a in a bed on a platform with just a mosquito net and you had the and the scar and the stars above you and the stars above us with all our pots our cooking on the side, you know nothing fancy nothing fancy but 
you know, the, this is the, the, the thing with Safari. It, 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 at times, it doesn't have to be that fancy. It's no. all about the, the experience, yeah. you know. You, you, you want to do something you've never done before. And the, this, this is what we want to offer our guests, you know, something they've never experienced for, yeah. you know. And, the, you know, and something with impact. Oh, yeah. Then you can't get much more impact than that. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And uh, so, yeah, that, on that platform that night, you know, it was an awesome experience and, uh, you know, something I always want my guests to experience. Absolutely. So what's your favorite animal? The leopard. That's yeah. my favorite animal. I, I, I find them, they're just amazing. And, uh, you know, seeing one on a game drive, you've made my day. You yeah. know, I just, I just love leopards. Yeah. Beautiful oh, cat. Yeah, I saw my first leopard in Kenya, and um, it was a, a leopard called Olive, who was who was had been filmed quite uh, a number of times by the BBC. But she was absolutely beautiful. I mean, really beautiful. And you, she was camouflaged. That's the thing. Mother Nature is very. She's a very clever, clever person. If you, for want of a, a better expression. But my yes. God, those those cats are really they're leopards are really camouflaged really well and and if it wasn't for uh the eagle eyes of our guide we would have just missed it i mean we were just going through this particular gorge really quite slowly oh your um, pen is limited and and uh yeah I, we, we were looking i thought we were looking really hard to try and find her and we missed her completely and he said she's over there just behind that rock and he said uh, he just all he saw was the tip of her tail <laughs> and, and that was it there it is <laughs> yeah yeah amazing you know safari guides the, these guys they're so well trained aren't they and they've got they've got, they've got the eyesight. eye they're well trained they're well trained and the majority of them they, they, they know what they're doing and uh, you know you, you you can only trust them when you're out there with them in the bush because they will prove it to you that they know their job and yeah uh, you know as, as a business as well you know we always want to work with the best Mm. And make sure that you know we we don't spoil you know that person's uh, uh, lifetime experience. Yeah, you know yeah. We, we we want to make sure that uh, they are happy. You know, whenever they come on safari with us. Yes. Yeah. Well, when uh, when things get um, back on track, I'll uh, I'll have to put you in touch with a good friend of mine in in uh, in Zim uh, called okay. a really beautiful guy called Trevor Manatza. Uh, so I'll, I'll put you in contact with him. So with with your safari business and everything, and obviously COVID has had a massive effect on on the travel industry um, in general. I mean, huge. It's com- completely decimated some of the uh, businesses in the in the industry. Um, what, what are you kind of looking forward to then over the coming months? What what sort of what sort of driving you forward? Um, life drives me forward. You know. Um... Life doesn't stop. I've had so many experiences in my life. Uh, and uh, they tell me that, you know, you just can't stop. You, you can't afford to stop, you know, because everything comes to pass. And I always believe everything happens for a reason. You know, uh, looking back, you know, we stopped our safari business back in Zim. You know, some people, some businesses stayed put. And mm-hmm. uh, those businesses are still there. They never went anywhere. So, you know, I believe that this world is for the fittest, you know, your mindset, your physical health. You know, I work in the mental in the in the mental health sector and I understand, you know, what all this means. So your mindset, your physical health, you know, it, uh, it is to be in the right frame of mind. 
for you yeah. to be able to, to soldier on during these difficult times. Yeah. I also uh, quite um, a fanatic of um, physical fit fitness. So, you know, that also keeps me going because, you know, in terms of my mindset, you know, if I walk into the gym, if I do my exercises, you know, as I'm doing them, you know, I'm brainstorming with myself. And one policy that I have is when I go into the gym, I always want to go by myself because it's my time. You know, while I'm doing my training, you know, I'm busy, you know, just brainstorming with myself. What am I going to do next? Mm -hmm. You know, putting in contingent plans. What if this goes wrong? What am I going to do? You know, how am I going to solve it? Because in life, not everything is going to go right for you. You know, those um, solitude, uh, solitude moments, you know, just just by myself, I, I give myself time to my, you know, to myself, where I just focus on what I want to achieve. And I think this, it has been a drive for me, yeah. you know, during this diff difficult time. Yeah, and you and mentioned uh, a really good word earlier. Sorry, um, you mentioned a really good word earlier, resilience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's, that, that's such an apt word to use, particularly at the moment, isn't it? You need it, you need it. And you know, you, you can't give up. You can't give up. Who, know, who knows what tomorrow holds? You know, it's it's life. It's life. Yes, we've got this current pandemic at the moment. The best thing you can do is make sure you look after yourself and those around you. Mm. But don't stop. Don't stop. You know, the, the, the industry has been heavily impacted at the moment. But, uh, you know, there's so much to do out there in the background, building relationships like we are doing. You need to continue talking to people, making the right noises. You know, when things open up, you know, the, the wheel that makes the most noise, the one that gets the first attention, mm. you know. So, you know, you just have to keep working on building yourself, you know, and, and also, you know, those around me because, you know, it's, it's something that I always want to share with my children, mm. uh, you know, and make sure that whatever life throws at you, accept it there's some things not worth fighting mm. you know just accept it focus and move on yeah absolutely i think um if i was to ask you a question about your purpose in life mm -hmm. what sort of what sort of images or what sort of things comes to mind when i ask you that that question it, it, it's a it means different things to different people i know and i just wondered what your what you feel your purpose in life is i want to make a difference I want, I want to change other people's lives if I can, whenever mm. I can, you know, and uh, this is what I'm already doing uh, with uh, my job in the mental, in mental health. Uh, I'm already there and I, I'm, I'm doing it. I continue to do it, you know, having empathy for the next person because at the end of the day, life is not all about yourself. You know, you've got to always consider other people. Yes, I know for a fact that I come first, but, uh, you know, you also still, you know, at times you have to go out of your way to help other people. If you're a human being who can never go out of his way to help other people, then, I mean, you need to look at yourself again and, you know, rethink of where you are going with your life. So I always want to do something that is impactful, you know. It's not always about, you know, what I do, but it's also to do with why I do the things that I do today. You know, I'm in business, yes, but the aim is to be able to make a difference yeah. in the process. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, I absolutely 100% agree with you. And that's an in, in, some incredible insight. And, and thank you for sharing that. It, it's a question actually that sometimes scares a lot of people. It, when somebody asked me that a few weeks ago, it took me about 20 minutes to kind of focus or focus on a few things that I thought I thought about it, but it, it took you literally yeah. a couple of seconds, and um, which I think is is testament to your belief in yourself and, and the fact that you you are on that this journey and uh, you know and, and and really are making a massive difference to you know a lot of people and um i'm super super uh what's the word i'm just really grateful for for the work that you do mate it's incredible so uh so thank you and um oh, i think what we'll do thing. yeah oh no and, and thank you so much for coming on the on the show uh it's been uh, amazing and um sharing your stories and your history and your background and and life on safari and and what you do um you know here in the uk it's a real inspiration so thank you very much thank you very much steve and thank you very as well for hosting me this evening and i hope we'll be able to see each other you know eye to eye you know it's not virtually absolutely uh, yeah you know, on the golf course some... attack, perhaps most probably that will be the first place <laughs> I, I love my golf i enjoy my golf Excellent. i just I, I just can't find enough time to play oh i know the feeling i know the feeling well look, thank yeah. you for coming on the show brighton it's uh it's really lovely to have met you and uh, and thank you very much for having a chat uh the chat with me and uh i wish you all the very best and, and all the success thank you very much steve thank you take care goodbye It was wonderful to chat with Brighton. Please do connect with them on LinkedIn, on Facebook. I'll put the links in the show notes. And thanks so much for listening. And and please do leave a five-star review on your podcast player if you can. Take care, everyone. And thanks for listening and being an amazing member of the Optimist Tribe. Until next time.